So I'm very connected that my mission in life is to have everyone I encounter live a life they're excited about in a body that they love. And when I'm connected to my why, the reason why I'm on this planet, my my muffin top, my wrinkles and my stretch marks don't matter. That was Angela Hubbs and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back to episode 28 of the YTP. My name is Jess and I am your host. BJ and I have been traveling all over the country for the past five months interviewing people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose. We are still a very young podcast, but we're growing every week and our queue is locked and loaded with some of the biggest names in plant-based nutrition, triathlon, health, and wellness. We are in deep thanks to all of you who make a choice to tune into the YTP. And our intention is to continue to grow as podcasters to bring you the very best of ourselves every week. And today's guest is someone who's living her best self every day of the week. Angela Hubbs is the real deal. She has hung low in the darkness of human beingness and climbed her way out. She has been a size 14, a size 4, and lived all over the world in search of a happy life. But it wasn't until she landed in the ignited vortex of New York City did Angela learn to truly embrace herself exactly the way she is, muffin top and all. And it wasn't until then that Angela started to feel happiness. She dedicates herself to helping others realize themselves and unleash their happiness in life. She works primarily with solopreneurs to get them moving and loving their bodies. She is also a public speaker and runs workshops and retreats like the Personal Power Urban Retreat she held earlier this month. It's a three-hour meditation, journaling, and yoga adventure. If you're in the area for her next one, you definitely need to get your butt into the city and retreat with Angela. She is a shining light in this world, and we were lucky enough to meet up with her this past August in the heart of New York City. You'll hear its heartbeat in the background, traffic, horns, sirens, the sounds of the city that served as our backdrop for this engaging exchange. We talk about the full spectrum of health and wellness, exercise, nutrition, mental training, body image, and the power of perspective. She shares some really interesting information about the advertising industry and the deep effects that the fabrication around how we should look and act is having on those closest to its source. This interview was so much fun to record, and I can't wait for Angela to bring one of her amazing retreats to the West Coast. So I'm all in, girl. I would love to dive in with you. Thanks to everyone for choosing the YTP. If you're digging the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps so much. All right, that's it. None of us want to wait any longer for this supercharged chat with Angela Hubs. All right, let's dive in. So... Let's just start off this podcast with saying I'm so excited about the mutation of the cacao cashew latte that we just created. So this is a recipe that I got from out of the Plant Power Way, Rich Roll's wife, Srimati, also known as Julie Pyatt. And it's cacao, cashews, and water. And it's great for... Oh yeah, and dates. And it's great for people (laughs) who don't drink coffee like yourself. But then we served it up. 
and we gave you the freedom to say, I'm not sure if I like this. And you gave us some suggestions of popping in a banana and some cinnamon. And now it's like a hot banana split. Oh, it's so delicious. It has its own natural <laughs> fudge on it. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. So we're going to get hopped up on this. And um, <laughs> then we were also just talking about something I found very interesting, that you feel like you're like almost vegan. Yeah. I. Um, so anyone who follows me on Facebook, they see I post a lot of cute pig pictures, uh, lots of cute animal pictures, period. And then I'm really into animal rights. And so uh, anytime that there's videos that pass my way that look at what happens in factory farms, my heart is broken every time because you see the, you can see and hear the pain of these animals. And so it's, I'm so torn when it comes to fish. Like I haven't eaten uh, red meat, chicken, or okay any other meat other than fish i haven't had that since i was 19. so that's not an issue for me but i love eggs and recently i've learned that even in the egg industry there's all kinds of crud that happens there that i don't want to be a part of and i don't want to feed the system so there's not a whole lot like i feel like my my options are very limited as a vegetarian and i really like eggs so i'm just torn fish even I'm torn play around with some um tofu scramble and I can give you some recommendations of how to make it and that's a great what I've found with the people that I've recommended it to they found it to be a great bridge and not only a bridge it's something that they keep in their diet but a bridge for people who like eggs because you put some turmeric on there and all of a sudden it looks like eggs and then you add in your vegetables and you know piece of toast or whatever it is that you want with some almond butter or something on it and it's like you're still kind of getting I think you're getting that egg experience, but I'm somebody who didn't always love eggs. But the feedback that I've gotten from people who have started playing around with a tofu scramble in the morning, and it's all about the spices. So whatever spices and then hot sauce or whatever you want to put on it, have found that it's a great entry point to starting to move the eggs out. And if you're like a zero to 60 person, then you might just want to like move the eggs out, move that in, or just do it like start to sprinkle it in and I wonder even what it would be like to mix a little of the I wouldn't do that mix the tofu no just keep eggs. it the same I mean I was egg person I ate, I would buy cartons and cartons of eggs and I'm not a tofu person but I stopped eating eggs and then just introduced the tofu scramble which is just it's just like eggs it's so good. So we'll definitely give you that recipe. Thank you. It's a you. good transition. I'm not a tofu person, like I said, but because of the firmness of it, it actually... Maybe it's a texture thing. Could be a texture yeah. thing, yeah. All right, I'm open. I'm totally open. A lot of it, too, is I'm a New Yorker. I don't cook. <laughs> <laughs> so you so, eat out a lot. Yeah, I eat out a lot. So a lot of the things that I make are very convenience-based, which isn't great, especially coming from a fitness professional. So I've I've tried to to change that a little bit but my kitchen's smaller than yours here at the hotel yeah so what do you eat what, what are some other things that you do like to eat? i do a ton of frozen vegetables they uh i just i heat them up and i eat them kind of straight out of the bag <laughs> so i just do a ton of vegetables and a lot of bananas a lot of bananas yeah we were just talking about that so obviously there's an obsession with bananas mm -hmm. <laughs> love it I'm definitely obsessed with bananas. Well, bananas, like from a spiritual standpoint, they are, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but they're very, very powerful food. 
go on. <laughs> so I think that if you want to create the abundance that you dream of, continue to eat the bananas. Yeah, they're just, I mean, nutritionally they're packed, but energetically they're packed as well. So they I are, know that. yeah, I don't really know too many more details about that, but it was relayed to me from a very reliable source that I respect and, and believe and um, that they are very, very powerful. Ooh. And I love them. I mean, I just, the thing about biting into a banana for me is like, it's, there's like this, tropical like transformation that happens to my day you know it's just it's so amazing and I was down in Guatemala last year and I was on the roof of the place I was staying and and practicing yoga and I could see underneath the leaves of the banana trees and how they start to grow and I just I love to hold a banana in my hand and like think about like where its life began and then you take that nourishment and you put that in you and it's it's just so beautiful and that's the thing that I love about plants that you can really start to geek out on the beautiful life that has come from the ground and you were talking about how you love animals and all of that and unfortunately, those lives that are being raised for, for food, they're, it's not so beautiful. Like, I think that if you are a meat eater or, you know, a fish eater, you know, there's a huge sacrifice there. Like, that, that animal didn't, didn't want to die. Like, they do fight for their lives. But you can nullify a little bit of that, I think, if you really start to look at it as the sacrifice and that has been made to bring it to your plate. However, I don't think that's how a lot of Americans or most people in the world take in their food. So it doesn't matter if you're eating meat or not eating meat to look at your plate as, you know, this abundance of nutrients that you're now putting in your body. And, um, and what does it look like? You know, I would say if it's beige, just start over. If it looks like the rainbow, like keep it coming. Mm-hmm. A couple of things actually that came to me while you were talking. First, I wanted to give you a fun fact. Did you know that bananas used to come in a ton of colors? They weren't just yellow. Like they cultivated the yellow ones because they were the sweeter of the bunch. But there's different types of bananas, which is a shame because I think the other ones are now endangered. Actually, I've never seen a banana of another color. I've had um, red bananas and oh. they are like, they're little, they're, they're smaller. They're like candy. They're they're absolutely amazing. I had those last year and I was in Guatemala. They're unbelievable. See? See? I want to try a blue banana. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to say about like fruits and vegetables, like I'm I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of seeds and nuts and stuff, things that come from trees. And it's amazing when you deal with a seed. I have a Vitamix too at home, and one of the things I had learned is that you get to take the seed of an avocado, you can blend it up and put it in smoothies. And if you just imagine all of the, everything that an avocado needs to grow into a tree is in that seed. And when you ingest it, you get in all of that good stuff. And so there's something really magical about seeds in general. So I, de I definitely, I'm a big believer in the energy that's in seeds and fruits and natural things. I totally agree with you. And you just like segued into something that's going to bring it back to the egg. So there's a great article and I want to say it was written by uh, Dr. Michelle McMacken and I'll put a link to it in the show notes and it's called What's Wrong With Eggs? And one of the things that they talk about is that that egg, that little thing inside the shell has everything it needs to create feathers and a beak and a nervous system and a heart and a digestive system and 
feet and a brain and a tail and a brain and does something that like does that make sense to eat it i mean i guess you could argue that the avocado kind of had the same thing but when you break down the avocado nutritionally and you break down the the egg nutritionally you know the egg comes with a lot more stuff too like the cholesterol and then also the life of of the egg laying hen and one thing that we learned when we were up at farm sanctuary is yeah they get rescued and they have this amazing life but unfortunately because of the way that a lot of these animals are being bred for food they have so many problems so the egg laying hens have because they're bred to lay way more eggs than they would than nature would ever have them lay they have a lot of reproductive issues prolapses and they're just they're very uncomfortable and they need a lot of ongoing medical treatment so things like that that i learned about the um the cornish game hens are bred to be so large that they actually don't live that long because they have heart attacks. Like when we were up, there was one that had had a heart attack like the week before. And that's all because they want to have huge breast meat because the breast is the most um, popular cut of, of the chicken. So it's interesting to see how these animals have been really like their nature has been mutated to meet the demands of the consumer, which is I like breast meat or whatever the trend is, that that's the healthiest cut or and um, and to see that, yes, they get rescued. But then there's a lot of repercussions that happen because of the way that they are raised for food. It's really it's really crazy. And the egg laying hens was kind of a that was an eye opener for me. I don't eat eggs, but, you know, you think, well, but they're just laying eggs. You know, but what's happening is that they're being bred to lay so many eggs. It's like the dairy cows are being forced to produce, you know, so 10 times milk. as much milk as they naturally would. So yeah. they're running these, these animals are being run down, you know, and genetically they're just, their genetics are being really compromised. So tofu scramble. <laughs> Make the switch. <laughs> so I used yeah. to live, I used to live in Alaska. And when I lived in Alaska, these are people that would go out and hunt. They would go and fish. Uh, they bring home fresh crab and fresh halibut, things like that. It was a lifestyle, especially with the natives, it was a lifestyle that you would go get what you wanted to eat and you'd have to kill it yourself, you'd have to gut it yourself. Like they were really entrenched in the process of meat from live animal to food on the table. In my view, I really have a lot of respect for that. And I think that's what's missing for a lot of us is that we're not connected that these animals that you see, like there's people that won't watch some of these videos. They're like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to know about it. Well, but then you're still going to eat it. You're completely disconnected from the process that got it from that animal that you see in that tiny little cage to the beef burger that you have to eat. The uh, Meat is murder, tasty, tasty murder, quote unquote. Like I, that, I have a huge problem when people are so disconnected. And so when I lived in Alaska, I had no problem. Like if people offered me halibut or when I was still eating meat, I did try moose once. But I was, I was really grateful for the meat. Like I really connected that this was a creature that 
was alive. I was really just grateful. So there's there's a level of I'm not against people eating meat just because it's meat. I'm against that you're not connected that that was a living creature and that you don't respect that it had a life force and it wanted things and it wanted to be alive and it had it might not have a family like we have a family but like just respecting that it was a living creature and that's my problem with how we even treat other people today so you grew up in are you spent some time in alaska angela who are you angela (laughs) (laughs) i have traveled a lot i don't think i told you guys last time i was with you that i lived in alaska i've lived in hawaii i've lived in georgia i lived in iceland Uh, And in my travels, I have learned that wherever you are, you are still you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. We've talked about this. The geographic. Yes. Pulling the geographic. I'm very familiar with that, where you think, oh, I'm going to start this new life in California and it's going to be so much better. Yeah. It's exactly the same because guess who comes on that trip? (laughs) You do. Ding, 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 ding. What's the common denominator here? (laughs) Okay, where who is this woman who's traveling with me? Yeah, so I, I when I finally moved to New York, which is where I now live, which is now my true home. I mean, I I realize that it's not the place I'm at; it's who I get to be, where I'm at, and so here I am in New York, creating my empire brick by brick. I love it. And um, so you did, we were just joking about the geographic, but you actually pulled a couple geographics, right? So let's, let's talk a little bit about your story. Let's just dive into that so people understand, I think, what makes you so believable and somebody that I want to stay connected with and work with and feed off of is because like you've been there, you've been in the trenches of being a human being and you've risen above and now you're helping other people rise above. So tell your story about where you were and... It's so funny because we, we talked a couple days ago, so it's funny that I'm, it's like we're in the middle of a conversation that didn't exist for your listeners. So um, my name is Angela Hubs. I'm not sure if I even said my name at this point. Um, I, I've been in the fitness industry since I was 15. So I started off as a lifeguard Uh, I was a bigger girl. I was about 175 pounds. I was about a size 14, but I was really like, I owned it. Like at one point I wanted to be a bodybuilder. Uh, I ended up as a lifeguard, one of the water aerobics instructors didn't show up. So guess who was like, how hard could that be? And they loved me so much that I ended up doing that. So I taught water aerobics. Later I went to Pilates. Later I taught yoga. And then when I moved to New York, I finally became a personal trainer and just put it all together. What I discovered, so 15, I was this big girl. I was proud of being this strong powerhouse. I got married at 19. Baby, I was a baby when I got married. And I put a lot of my self-esteem in that relationship. That easiest way to describe it is Suddenly, I gave my power away to my husband, that he was the one to validate who I got to be as an individual. That's never a good idea. You never, ever should give your power away. And what ended up happening is I thought, if I got skinny, quote, unquote, all my answers 
to all life's problems would be answered because that's what happens on TV. You're skinny, you're hot, and everybody loves you, and you get money, and you get the job. Uh, so I wanted to be like the magazine cover. I wanted to look like those ladies on in the movies, on TV. And by the time I was 22, it was either 21 or 22, I had gone down to 119 pounds and a size 2. And so I turned into a stick figure of my former self. And what I realized at 22 is I still hated myself. I still hated my life. I still didn't feel fulfilled in my relationships. And when I looked in the mirror and I saw that I had hit skinny, I was heartbroken that they lied to me. It, I'm not, all the answers aren't there. I'm, I'm not as beautiful as I want to be. At least I, like, I didn't feel beautiful on the outside. I still hated every part of me. And that's when I started to realize that, oh, this fitness stuff isn't about working out. I had thought that that's what it was all about. You go to the gym, you're there for hours on end. That's fitness. I learned that I had to develop strength in my relationship to myself, strength in my relationship with my husband. I had to learn how to deal with my self-worth in my career and what I was doing and how I was growing as a human being. And so at this point, as I go forward in my life, I try to instill in the people that I work with that, look, I get it that you want to lose a couple pounds, but you get to decide now that you're happy with who you are as a human being. We can make you healthy, but we have to find fitness in your whole life. Because I promise you, skinny, losing five pounds is not where happiness exists. It's here. It's now, and you get to be happy now. So, how is the the trans? So, how is the transition like with the eating? I mean, you you obviously you dropped a lot of weight. Did you really restrict your calories? And like, how did you recover from that? Because there's a lot of like the like a dysmorphia that's going on there, right? Like yeah. with what you're seeing in the mirror and what's actually what other people are seeing and the food and the control that goes along with that. So do you remember any kind of turning point or any rock bottom or anything like that that you can share, which I think would be really helpful for somebody who may be in a similar position or know somebody or has a daughter like this? So looking back on, on it, and this is later when I really started to take on what health looks like. I realized that I was pretty much exercise anorexic. So I counted every single calorie. I, I would eat 12, so I did the math. I did, what's my basal mes metabolic rate? I will eat only that much. And then I have to burn at least 1,000 calories a day exercising in the gym. So what it looked like is I ate 1,200 calories that I counted. I kept a log. And I counted, like I measured oatmeal, like down to the flake as I made it. I wouldn't eat, uh, like I could eat vegetables and stuff, but even then I was really careful about, okay, it has to be, I weighed everything. It was really not healthy at all because everything was based on what I ate, I had to work it off in the gym. So I ran about an hour a day, then I swam because I worked at a pool, it was free, I could be there all day. And then I swam with masters, which was about an hour a day. So it was about two hours a day where I was working out. I, for, I mean, people would compliment me that, wow, you're so disciplined. You're in the gym. I see you on here an hour every day. It, there's nothing healthy about it. 
because it was all in the only way I can describe it is I was torturing myself I had to be on there I had to see the thing say you burned a thousand calories or I wouldn't get off the treadmill you were like you were the victimizer yeah but then you were the victim of that too yeah I was my own victim oh gosh I've lived there I've been I've played both of those roles it's how did you dig your way out it was seeing a picture of myself. I saw, like, in fact, somebody came up to me and was like, I'm a little worried about you. And I was like, well, I'm fine, I'm good. And I, like, I, felt, I felt really strong and I, like, I could see my abs and like, I felt really good. But then I saw a picture and I started to see what they were saying, that I was like sunken in in my chest. Like, you know, you have that old woman look like in your neck and you're 21, that's not a good sign. And when I saw that picture, it was a real wake up call to me that, okay, you wanted to get skinny. Like it, like it really went off in my head that you hit the mark, but you still feel the same. And that's when I was like, damn, what do I do now? And so I had to look at, I, I was like, okay, well that's not the answer, I hit that. So I, in a way, I gave up on the being skinny and I tried to look at other places. So I went to college. I finally got a degree after a long time, but I started to put some things together that I can't live like this. I'm not fulfilled. I can't, I can't do this. Alaska, here I come. Oh, so then you went to Alaska. I went to Alaska. So that's where I went to college. Okay. My excuse to leave the town I was in, start new and grow as a human being, I left and went to college. And what did you major in? Human communications. Actually, I majored in a lot of things, but I ended up with a degree in human communications, which is the most interesting thing ever. Has to do with like the idea in your head getting to my head and the things that stand in the way. I love it. Did you do study on like perspective? Like, yes. Yeah, because yeah. perspective is, I think this is such a roadblock for so many people. And this, this is a huge thing with meditation is like they have shown in scans of the brain that you start to be able to see the perspective of other people the more you meditate, right? Because it changes mm-hmm. your brain. So perspective is what makes us unique, but perspective is I feel like it's really like the ego's best friend because it can also be the point where I'm right and you're wrong, right? Mm -hmm. It can be like the the big disconnector. Huge. In fact, one of the things I found the most interesting when we were studying this was uh, like, we talked about gender, but culturally, those of you who actually speak Italian, you just have to give me a grain of salt on this, okay? But apparently what we learned in class was their word for time is very similar to a word for weather. So just just hold that in your mind for a second, that the word for time is very similar to whatever the word for weather is. So imagine someone who's Italian is in business with someone who's German, and they say, hey, we're gonna meet at two o'clock. What does that mean for the Italian, and what does that mean for the German? Well, here's, here's what happens. For a German, 1.59, is on time. For the Italian, eh, 2.30, 3 o'clock, whatever, whatever time we show up is what it is. So just imagine the miscommunication that happens just in that one area. The German will see that as huge disrespect if the Italian's late. But for the Italian, it's not a thing. Time is whatever, 
You know, it's, it blows, it comes, it goes like the weather. So just looking at that one little thing, imagine the, the in the bigger scope of what's going on in our world right now, a lot of miscommunication is us just not hearing what the other person has to say and not looking at what their perspective is based off of that thing. And it's it's kind of a shame. This is why I can't watch movies where people just miss each other or they don't tell each other something. I can't stand those kind of movies. Relationship movies? Yes, I can't stand them. <laughs> I can't stand them. Because if they just came off and told each other what they felt right then, we wouldn't have a movie and it wouldn't have to deal with all of the miscommunication. So that's from a communications major. I can't stand it when people don't listen to each other. So that probably helps in your business when you're when you're dealing with executives and your clients trying to get across your point, taking into account what you know from them and what they perceive you're trying to say. Well, and a lot of this has to do with what we said yesterday about meeting people where they are. So part of what I do is I have to hear where you're coming from. So I have a client so, so we didn't even say this. Yeah, so why I'm, don't you explain? <laughs> tell you what, what I do. Explain what you do. So I'm an executive fitness coach and a fitness personality. So what I do is I take solopreneurs, people who work behind a computer screen, and I take away every excuse they have not to be active. So all you have to do is you open your computer. We work out virtually, so you don't have to go anywhere. You don't need that much space, and you get to move your body. And a lot of solopreneurs are all like, no, I don't have time, I have my family, I have this. They always put themselves last. And so my job is to help them see that unless you take care of this body that you've been given, you can't take care of everything else. How much can you get done when you're sick? You can't. So you're literally, yes, you're working with them in the physical, but you're, you're changing perspectives. That just like she plans this or something. <laughs> yes. Who says that you never work in your major? <laughs> That's a good point. Boom. So, so a lot of what my mission is is to hear where you're at. So, um, this this one client I have, her whole business is her sitting behind her computer, and she's at like a stress level ten all the time. I know she doesn't enjoy moving. I just know that's who she is. It's the exercise to her is a dirty word. So I have to hear where she's coming from. So I get it. You don't like to move. So what if you just stretch with me right now? Just move your body. So that's where we start. Because if I had her get up and do push-ups with me and do burpees and yeah, she'd lose weight, but she'd hate it. And she wouldn't, she'd avoid me. And that's not sustainable. Exactly. You got to find what, what, what rings your bells and for some people we have to just start really slow we have to change the association that so how do you feel today do you did you notice that after we stretched a little bit you felt better like your back didn't hurt oh yeah i did see that so starting to change associations with movement so that it's not like oh i sweated and it was torture and it hurt and i was sore into ah i did feel better perspective <laughs> and do you work with people who um, have you come across like the body image issue and how do you work with that? I have. In fact, it's, it doesn't matter what age. I see it. Kids who are 20, uh, kids, kids who are 20, to women who are in their 50s and 60s that are talking about, yeah, right here. I feel it right here. Like all, it's always about how they're judging what their body's doing, particularly women who are going through menopause. 
it's so weird being on this side of the exercise anorexic conversation. Yes, of course, I'm vain. I like to be hot and fit, but it doesn't matter as much to me anymore. And when I see it in other people, I'm like, you're so beautiful. And you're so worried about this little flap of skin, this little fat pocket that you're missing the point. So I see it all the time. And the things that I try to bring people back to is you are working on it. You're here with me right now. We're working on it. So instead of focusing on that little flap of skin, be really proud of yourself. You just did 10 push-ups without being on your knees. Come on, how many women in their 60s can do that? That was awesome. So I, again, perspective. We're so bombarded with what we need to look like that it's really, really hard when people are with me an hour two hours a week to bust through what we think we need to look like that it it feels like a really hard battle so i i'm still working on the magic sauce that will have people really just love who they are in this moment and is it you mentioned predominantly women um, going through menopause men do you, are there any men out there that have body type issues because i feel like that's I, I think we talk about women a lot but i'm sure there's some men not so happy. I feel like men don't vocalize it as much. Their thing is, oh, you see this muscle right here? So they're, they're always pointing at biceps and, you know, they're always talking about their ab muscles. Right. But for the most part, they want to have like pecs that dance and it just comes, they, they don't express it in the same way women do. But yeah, of course. They all want to, every single man I have, they're like, yeah, yeah, I just kind of want to, I want to be stronger here. I want to, I want to have, you know. But why? Like that, like, is it society? Is it like the pictures they see or the, their friends that they talk to or, the peop- or what they see at the gym? Like, what is the pressure that makes people want to look so good when the majority of us all have that skin down there, that extra skin? Yeah. I mean, that is the norm. It is the norm. But I think it's publicized that you need to look perfect. Like, or, I'm going to answer this, and here's here's where this gets really, really awful. So I have clients that work in the advertising industry. They are the ones who spend 15 hours on one picture getting off every blemish on J-Lo's face. Uh, the, I know people who did the ad for Justin Bieber in his underwear. They spend countless hours puffing up that puffing up this, making that skinnier, making that stand out, making that a different color, doing that, doing this. Those same people have it even more that they need to look perfect. They are the ones who know it's not real. And still, they're the ones who are even more pushed to look perfect. And that blows my mind. They know it's imaginary and still they feel more compelled to look perfect. I think that's because they see how powerful that look is. How many people are buying into it. How that's bringing whatever is behind that advertisement money. Power. And power. Mm, Ooh, it's funny. I hadn't gone there. Whether they, I'm sure that's not the blueprint that they follow to get that mindset. Oh, it's all subconscious. None of it's conscious for them, but I see it. And it just blows my mind that, and I've had conversations with people. I'm like, look, let's look at me right now. 
you know that's not real. You have a little muffin top and that's okay. So does the picture you just fixed. Right? So I I want to I've seen a movement where I think it's called tiger stripes where it's celebrating women who have like stretch marks from having babies or have like I have stretch marks. I grew really fast. Okay, I got big really fast when I was a kid. So, yeah, I have stretch marks and I've never had a baby. Like we all have scars and stuff. Why can't we celebrate that those are our tiger stripes? Like we can celebrate that we are all different sizes and shapes and At this point, I'm pretty passionate about people just loving who they get to be aside from what they look like. So I had a a moment in my life where I decided the things that I hated about my body, what if I what if I loved them? And I have to say, I'm going to make an admittance here that it came from i was reading this book that my friend gave me and this is actually it's kind of embarrassing because of the title not the subject matter but it was like tantra for dummies like it was like the cliff notes for tantra and (laughs) do you remember i was reading that book honey (laughs) anyway and it was really about like embracing embracing the body and embrace like i was reading i went you know like every american i jumped right to the sex chapter and it was like embracing the union and embracing and i and it really like forget the sex like it that book really like changed me cuz i thought well i hate all these different parts of me what if i embrace them what if i what if i started to like love them and what would happen? And so it was It was the, a very similar journey that I had to embracing running. Like I hated running and then I bought a shirt that said I love running and then I wore that damn shirt every time I ran. It was cotton so it didn't matter. Like I was like cotton kills but this attitude's going to kill me, you know. So I changed my mindset about it. And every time I would think like, oh, you, like, oh I wish these jeans fit. Like, the, I mean, and I'm talking, I was in my 30s. Like I'm not 16 at this point. Like... And so it's very, very real um, for a lot of adults. And even older than that, what happened was, because I changed my perspective, I started to weaken that identity of me as my body, number one. And then number two, my body started to change. Like all of a sudden, like my arms, I was like, I looked in the mirror and maybe they were like this all the time and I never saw them. But... I started looking in the mirror and I was like, whoa, my arms are kind of cut. And well, my belly's not that awful. Like, it, you know, it's like when I look from this, it's not that bad. Like, and I don't know if my body changed. I don't know that. But I can tell you right now that my mind changed. And ever since then, I've never been in better shape or felt better in my body. And there are times like I just got this new training bathing suit and I was like, finally, I was like, I'm going to a two piece. I'm doing it. I'm going to a two piece. (laughs) Rocking the two piece. Rocking the two piece. And like, I probably should have gotten a small, I got an extra small. So like there's, I put it on the other night for BJ and I was like, and he was like, oh my God, you look amazing. And I was like, yeah, but what about all this stuff back here? And he's like, that's just goodness. (laughs) That's just all goodness. Good answer. Yeah. I, well, I, <laughs> and uh, I was like, you're, and it was just, it was a subtle reminder. And I, I'm sharing something that I don't even ever think I shared with my husband. 
it was just a reminder that it is all goodness, right? And that every moment our bodies are firing neurological impulses and the brain is working and the blood is pumping and the heart is pumping and you know your toenails are staying on and your hair is in your head and all of these things are happening without you even having to think about them yet we yet we continually beat up on ourselves because of the way our body looks so i challenge anyone to start to look at it a different way and see what the reflection in the mirror looks like and it's nothing more than perspective and that we have a choice in hearing the perspective of other people especially the ones close to us that say we look beautiful or that you know we are good enough um and then taking that and believing it and using that to help us change our own perspective i have a fun story about that because it's funny you, you read a book i took a pole dancing class so one of my friends was like, you have to come. You have to do this with me. So I, I went to this pole dancing class. I had no idea what to expect. It's a place that doesn't allow men. So it's a safe space for women. They turn the lights down. You do this like really saucy warm up. And the whole time I felt so awkward in my skin. I had been doing yoga for a long time. And so I considered yoga a cultivation of peace self-awareness, all that stuff. And what I realized from doing this pole dancing class is I've never cultivated self-sensuality. It has nothing to do with sex, has to do with accepting the pieces and parts of you and just thinking they're sexy. I saw my friend that brought me and she was the sexiest little creature I've ever seen in my life. And it wasn't what she looked like. She was sexy looking at her, but it was her her aura, like she had cultivated the self-love of herself. And I'll never forget, the teacher said, okay, you're gonna hold on to the pole, you're gonna walk around the pole, and I want you to touch yourself. So my first <laughs> response was, I like slapped my face, and then I slapped my belly, and I awkward. slapped my ass, and I was like, what, what am I doing right now? And I just kept like going, there's just such a weird thing to realize that I have never, thought of myself as like a sensual creature. So as far as like self-acceptance goes, that was the first time I was like, oh, I get to find myself sexy. And I think there's, in my experience as a woman growing up, there was like a unsaid, you don't do that. Like you can't enjoy yourself. And I know there's a whole movement and that's a whole other conversation about like, enjoying yourself as a woman but like that's something i've i've had to cultivate a little bit that i get to love every piece of me for what i am the same way like your husband does obviously he loves you very much i do good again good answer <laughs> but you know but, the fact that his go-to answer for you was that that's all goodness what if we thought, if there's a great saying on uh, the, the outside of Whole Foods, treat yourself like someone you love, right? There's a lot of power in, like, in uh, cultivating our self-worth, self-confidence. Because yeah. it's yeah. not even, it has nothing to do with sex. It's mm -mm. everything to do with I'm perfect and complete, just as I am. 
And finding balance in, in all that we have to offer as humans. So there is sensuality, there is intellect, there is love, there is all these different things. And so some people might define themselves. This is where we get it gets sticky, where we define ourselves as certain things, but then we're not other things. So I think true balance is really stepping into it all. When we talked about this last time, you and I, we talked about the mind needing to create labels. Mm -hmm. Like that is our mind's job to keep us safe. This has to be a microphone there. Now I know how to treat this. I talk into it like this is a table. This I can lean on it because it's a table like we our mind is there to protect us in that way. But in the same way, it confines us when we end up continually label other people, when we label situations, then we're not open to being present. And when we talked, the way you said it was perfect, that the second you're present, the mind kind of goes away and you get to be fully in the experience. And so there's something about that, that when we turn off the labeling, we get to be fully present. And the and when we are fully present, the mind and definitely the ego cannot exist there. And the, the mind depends on time. Mm-hmm. It bases everything on past experience and then it looks into the future. The only thing that doesn't have time is the present moment. So I love Eckhart Tolle describes it as imagine a, an earth without human beings, right? And so the, the eagle is in the tree and the lamb is on the earth and the lamb looks up to the eagle and says, what time is it? And what's the eagle going to say? He's going to say, it's now. It's always now. So just by that, doesn't that make sense, right? Like Clark is not going to be like, it's, you know, three o'clock and we have another interview at four. So we got to, I got to get fed. And that's not the way (laughs) animals work because they don't have this thinking mind. And so that just proves to me, I would love, if there's a counter argument, I would love to understand that. But that proves to me that the mind is defined on time. And then the only time where it can't exist really is in that present moment. And that is why it resists so much being present. Mm. That is why presence, as I describe it, is one of the most, the simplest thing anybody will ever ask you to do. But it's one of the most challenging things. And then to string those moments together into a time, a, a time span, see here's my mind, like a span of presence, is so challenging and I think a lot of people give up on it because they think I can't meditate because my mind's too busy great welcome to the club it's called (laughs) being a human you know sometimes my meditations are constantly going into a thought coming back out going into a thought coming back out and sometimes I get in touch with who I truly am which is not the body which is not my mind it just is and it's pure experience and intelligence of a different realm and so I believe that that is a big piece adopting some kind of mindfulness practice even if it's one breath every morning to start to understand that we are something far greater than the muffin top Mm -hmm. and that um, that label is really limiting to our potential in this life whether that's a physical goal um, a professional goal you know being the best parent or spouse that we can be that those little things have heavy heavy weight in our life 
Oh, you mean the labels? Yeah, yeah. and just the the labels and the uh, I don't like this part of my body, right? So I guess that's labeling as well, you know, and how that just can prevent us from from growing. And so your job is to help people grow. So one of the ways that I have people step out of that mindset is I have them look at something bigger than themselves. So a lot of people have completely disconnected themselves from their mission. My business coach talks about it as their stand, their why. So I'm very connected that my mission in life is to have everyone I encounter live a life they're excited about in a body that they love. And when I'm connected to my why, the reason why I'm on this planet, my, my muffin top, my wrinkles and my stretch marks don't matter. I think a lot of what gets us tripped up is we're very, when we're not connected outward, that's all we have left is what can we perfect here versus how can we perfect out here? And when I say perfect, it's not about making things perfect, but what can I contribute? When we don't give and we're busy worried about what we have to do over here, there's no growth that can happen. So connecting to your why is key to expansion. It's key to throwing back to this big world of ours. And how do you guide your clients to do that? So one of the ways that I've been doing this, I actually do an event called a Personal Power Urban Retreat. And I've been trying to do this once every quarter or something. And we do a three hour meditation, journaling, and yoga class. And the idea is that in meditation, you get to touch who you are, what you want, and what you wanna create. And then you vomit it into a journal. Then we use the yoga to put it into your body so that you can take it out into your life. And so far, it's, I love doing it. I love seeing people they get to do things in the yoga that they didn't know they could do. Like they start to see that the way they treat their body shows up in every other every other part of their life. And so it's uh, it's been a great experience for me to watch people go through that journey. For the people I have one-on-one, -on -one, I just try to connect them back because a lot of them are entrepreneurs. They got in business for a reason. And when they get stuck in uh, when I can see that they become complacent, when I can see that they get, you know, their, their energy level goes low, it's because they're not connected to why they got in business in the first place. For the people that just got into business for money, it, it never lasts, it never stays fun for them. But the ones that really got into it for a bigger reason, I just help them connect back. This is why you're in business in the first place. You can't do that mission if you're not taking care of you. Have you had experience with clients so you connect them back to what originally fueled them, what their passion was? Have you had clients make a switch? So you brought them back to, so they're doing their job and they're making money, but you brought them back to their passion and they realized or they connected through that program you have that they're like, maybe I should be doing something else. Actually, yeah. Um, in fact, I've had a couple people that have to keep coming back 
to these personal power urban retreats so that they get refueled again. Um, one of my, I had just met him. I, I, he was a friend of a friend who came to one of the first ones I ever threw. And he, he decided to start his own business that teaches people how to take care of themselves in a whole different way. I think it's called best.me. Don't quote me on that, but I, it was ThriveLink and then it was best.me. What he wants to create sounded so amazing that I, I've been working with him to help him create it. He has a whole, he has a crew now that's helping him build this website that ha it's like the WebMD of bettering yourself. Wow. So when he gets that off the ground, I mean, I can't take credit for it at all. But what was he doing really before? He worked as like a consultant okay. for corporate companies. So he was he worked for a company that did consultations to help uh, productivity of corporations, which he he enjoyed, but it wasn't where his passion was. And I think there are a lot of people out there who are doing something that they're not passionate about and that they need this connection from someone like you to sort of just help them along and realize this is not making me happy or the money just isn't enough or bring me back to my roots. Like, what is it that makes me happy? So I, I, I feel like your services can be so beneficial to so many people out there. I just think a lot of people are afraid to make that switch. You know, the safe way to go is to continue doing what they're doing or go through the everyday practice. So are people approaching you from referrals or how are they, are they or are they just seeing you or and just making the choice to say Angela help me mostly it's referrals I mean it's hard for people to find me if they don't know where to find me you know so uh, there's a great quote from Jim Carrey where he he had mentioned that his father wanted to be this great comedian but he wanted to play it safe so he became an accountant and he still was fired from his job and so they ended up growing up very poor. And so uh, Jim Carrey's quote pretty much says, you can fail at what you want to be doing and you can fail at what you don't want to be doing. So why not just go for what you want to be doing? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So when, when I have people looking at what it is that they were put on this planet to do, they'll fight it because it's scary. It's scary to go after your dreams. And part of it is, it's not even the fail. It's the what if you succeed. You have to be that person. So, and I get that. <clears throat> In fact, for a long time, there was, there was a little bit of that for me that if, if I go after what I want and I get it, people are gonna expect me to be perfect and I have to do it right and I have to be, you know, I have to be that Angela that can, can be the Tony Robbins of fitness. Part of it, I've let go that I have to be anything. I let go of the label, <clears throat> excuse me, and instead, I just get to throw my passion into what I'm doing. I'm not even connected any, well, I'm not uh, attached to what it has to look like. Instead, here's what it is. If you don't like it, that's okay, That's because that's what it is. <laughs> but the fear is such a, it's, it's such a blocker. I mean, it, it, it's so malignant in, in, um, in our lives, in our society, and it prevents us from going after what we love because 
doing what we love and um, unearthing our gifts and sharing those makes us vulnerable. Yeah. Ugh. And um, how do you help people when they're in that fear? Like, let's talk about something physical, like helping them achieve a physical goal. Have um, How do you help them get past that fear that they can't do it or that they'll fail or that they won't have the time? Well, use, uh, I have a client who just finished the New York Triathlon. He perfect example. He So first off, the first thing that came to my mind was, so fear meaning false evidence appearing real. He had it in his head that he'd never be able to run longer than a mile. He had it in his head that he couldn't swim longer than one lap. The key to anything that we ever want to achieve is take one little step towards that goal every day. So fine, you can't swim more than one lap. Great, let's work on swimming one lap. All right, you did that. Great, let's work on two laps. All right, so that might take you a day or two. Great. It got to the point where he could swim endlessly from end to end. And he, at one point, he counted 50 laps back and forth in his little pool, in his little house. He said at one point, I can't run longer than a mile. Guess what? We got him a good pair of shoes. And I said, you got to go out and run. Let's see what you can do. He ended up running six miles. So he finished his first Olympic distance triathlon with me at the New York Triathlon. And that's from someone who started with, I don't have time, I can't do it. He just had a new baby. He has a job where he's traveling all over the world and still he committed and made it happen by taking one little action step at a time. And that's how I did it. I mean, when I finished my Ironman, when I looked into the future, that didn't seem like something that was ever possible. I never in a million years thought I would ever be able to run a marathon. But one little step at a time, one mile at a time. I trained, I did the work, because that's key, you have to do the work. But you just take it one little step at a time. And I think people look at, oh, I can't look like that. I, I, I'll, I can't do that. That's too far. That's too long. That's too much weight. I can't do that. But they're seeing them where they're at right now. Yes. So they're, so nobody, and this is the same in sport too. They're like, I want to be able, that guy just did a 10 hour marathon or 10 hour Ironman. I want to do a 10 hour marathon. But do you know what his training was like? Do you know what his nutrition was like? Do you know what he's been doing for the past 10 months? You don't. Or the past 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Right. It's a long, long process. And I think people get so caught up and especially we'll use Ironman as the example. You're looking at 140.6, right? Mm -hmm. You'll never do 140.6 miles in any training <laughs> working up to that. So you need to have some sort of faith, some sort of belief in the unseen that these small moments, swimming, biking, and running, and taking care of yourself and eating well, will all add up to your end goal. So being able to have them realize that these small digestible components will then add up over time and keeping them interested along the way and they will achieve their goal like that guy did at the New York City Triathlon. Like, small bits will add up. Small bits add up. I think that's the quote of the day. Small bits add up. <laughs> yeah, small bits add up. And, and also that, okay, I can't run more than a mile, right? So they go, okay, let's go run a mile. So they run a mile. And then they run two miles. 
Well, you said that you couldn't run more than a mile. So the same mindset that it takes to go from one mile to two miles is the same mindset that it takes to go from one mile to 140.6 miles. Yeah. And you have this thing about crossing the finish line, that there's many finish lines along the way. And can you explain that? I just love it yeah. so much. It's kind of like picking up that, me- that next breadcrumb and taking the next step, but it's just different words for it. And I love it because every step should be celebrated. Yeah, when I When I did my first Ironman, I did not focus on how far I had to go. I focused on how far I had already come. In fact, I was very, uh, I was very deliberate about how I went through the Ironman. So every buoy I saw when I passed during the swim, I'd give myself like a high five. That wasn't a real high five because I'm swimming, but I said, boom, another one done. And there was one every hundred meters or something. So by the time I got to the end, it felt like t- no time had passed because I was so focused on every buoy. And so by the time I got out of the water, yeah, swim done, boom. So celebrating that little victory on the way, that was my first finish line, boom. When I got on the bike, same thing. Every time you see one of the sandwich boards that says another 10 kilometers done or whatever, boom, I'd celebrate every little one and I had to do two laps of that. So yeah, whoa. Same thing with the run. And what I what I took from having finished my Ironman is that my finish line, yes, was to finish the whole race, but every little step along the way was a victory for me. The fact I was there in the first place was a victory for me. I had like I had put a lot of pressure on myself that I have to finish, I have to finish. What happens if I don't finish? And everyone I encountered was like, the fact that you're there in the first place, we're already proud of you. So pressure off, I'm just gonna trust the training. If I don't finish, I'm here. So when I when I talk now, when I do my speeches, I talk about your finish line might not be an Iron Man. In fact, that's not for everybody. In fact, I think it's a crazy distance to go. I will do another, yes, but it's still a crazy distance to go. So I don't ever say you have to go do a triathlon, but maybe your finish line is being able to walk up a flight of steps without being winded. Maybe it's playing with your grandkids or chasing around your dog without having back pain. Whatever your finish line is, you get to celebrate every victory along the way and enjoy that journey to your finish line. So I love that I had had that experience that I can take out what the elements of success are. And that was the one I think that really resonated with me the most. In fact, it's something I need to look at in the parts of my life that I'm not as skilled at. Like in growing my business, there's little things I've stopped celebrating sales calls for instance but there's like little things with my business that i need to take out that i had learned from doing my iron man that it's not about the finish line it's about taking steps during the race and just keep moving and that celebration is not just for the things that you love celebration is for completing the things that you don't necessarily love and finding that same discipline like we direct our discipline to the things that we love like BJ and I love training for Ironman so I mean finding the discipline to do that is a no-brainer for us but could I find that same discipline 
you know, when I would pull the vacuum out to vacuum mm. the house? Like, could I put the same love and commitment into that? Or am I jamming the vacuum around and sucking everything up, which I, you know, have done, um, sucked up things that, you know, I've ruined them and everything because I was just angry about vacuuming. And it's like, this is, this is why life for so many people is a roller coaster. Because what we need to remind ourselves is that not only are we in control of our perspective and our ability to change it and the thoughts that we choose to indulge, we can also take that same love and passion that we put into those things that come naturally to us and put them into the things that challenge us and that we can spread things across the board. And that's mastery, right? And so you're working with entrepreneurs like these guys have mastery because they've got will and discipline and commitment. So it's taking that and in, in opening up the human mind to say, oh my God, I'm fearful of this. This is crazy. Look what I've already built. You can take that and put that, that into it. And like for you, the sales calls, mm-hmm. right? The, um, you had said something the other day about people who don't want to work out like in, in how to get them to work out. Like, like you're already a master at not working out, right? Something, can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, so in the same way you talked about like using the mastery that you have in training for your Ironman, I, it hadn't occurred to me until a couple years ago that not everyone enjoys exercise, <laughs> right? As a personal trainer, I just assumed that everybody, you know, liked being here. They just needed help, which is why they hired me. And it wasn't until I started really working with entrepreneurs that fought me tooth and nail about working out, about moving their body, that I started to get that, oh, okay, so it's, that's something I've cultivated in my life, that whether I feel like it or not, I have that muscle to go be in action with something I don't like, but only with exercise. When it came to my business, flip it. The entrepreneurs that I work with have that muscle built that they can get in action in parts of their business that they don't wanna do. But they do it anyway because they've built that muscle. So when you're talking about that's mastery, when you can take something that you're already good at, that muscle of doing things you don't want to do in your business, now how do you flip it into dealing with your body and vice versa? So part of this is just really getting connected to the the positive, the the outcome, because that's easy for me with exercise. Like I know that if I work out today, that means I can get to my finish line when I do the race tomorrow. I don't have that same connection sometimes with my business. So it's about, okay, if I do the sales calls today, I can get more people to my event tomorrow. And so I think for people who don't have the muscle with exercise, really look at who do you get to be tomorrow if you actually move your body today? Wow. <laughs> but it's easy to say, like I get it. I get it and part of it is just cultivating that connection that I get to not have back pain tomorrow if I actually stretch my body today. Like just really coming back to that why, that stand that you get to have a body that's healthy so that you can service your business. You can service your family. And the things that we come into this world as masters of, we tend to put all our energy there because it comes easy, right? 
But the things that don't come easy, the things that challenge us, the things that continually show up in our lives, those are the things we're here to master. We already brought the other stuff in. We're here to master that. And so the more that you avoid it, it's just going to continue to to show up. Like until the universe just looks at that and says, oh, all right, well, okay, didn't Angela didn't learn her lesson, so let's give it to her again. <laughs> yeah, and maybe and we'll again. do yeah, and, and again, again, and again, and again. And we perpetuate these cycles until we change, until we open our eyes and realize that the things that don't come natural to us but keep showing up in our lives, that is what we are supposed to start focusing our energy on. And this, I believe, is how you really start to find purpose in your life. What's funny is here's what jumped into my head when you said that. You ever been to the gym and seen people who love working their upper body <laughs> and hate working their lower body? Skinny leg syndrome. Yes. They're like this stick figure legs on this massive upper body. And that's what came to my mind just now because that's how we treat our personalities. That's how we treat our lives. The things we're good at, the things we like, we strengthen a lot, which leaves our legs or whatever other part of our body we're ignoring, like little spindly, uh, atrophied, and not functioning. So that's such a great mental image because, in fact, that's something I'm going to take with me for the rest of the day, that what parts of my personal personality am I ignoring? Yeah, what's rickety? Yeah. What's rickety? What's, what's not? Rickety? What's not helping you stand strong? Yeah. Probably the things you're avoiding. Mm -hmm. And with our, with our athletes, it, the training, the physicalness, easy to do. Here's, here's your plan. Get on the bike, whatever you need to do. But it's that mental side of things, and that's where a lot of people shy away from. But that is where the work is done. That is where, in you know, in any sport, you can accomplish so much more than you thought. The physical, I believe strongly believe anybody can do the physical. Um, of course, they need to be somewhat fit and, and have that drive. But um, that's that mental piece where people can overcome those small barriers. So to what we're talking about, mental, I'm sure the mental strengthening is not something on any everyone's priority list. Oh, no. Man, it's not. And because that, that requires us to look at ourselves. Yeah. Right? And that's not... That's not comfortable. That's not comfortable. But again, we talked about this. Like the uncomfortableness is where you really start to step into yourself. And, and that's where growth happens. Huge. It does not happen where comfort is. And change... A little fact about change. Change only happens in the present moment. Mm. You can think about change like, oh, I'm going to start my diet on Monday or whatever. But now it's Monday, <laughs> oh. right? And you have, a, you have a choice. You're getting your coffee. And all of a sudden, you see that croissant that you, you would usually grab. It's in that present moment that your change is going to occur. It's only in the present moment where change is available. That's it. Otherwise, because that's the only place where you've got the free will to really start changing your patterns. Otherwise, it's just a projection into the future of what you hope to be or, or what you, you know, desire for change in your life. And to get back to this idea of imagining the unimaginable and embracing that, like the mind piece, let's say somebody's training for an Ironman and we hear this a lot. They're training for an Ironman and they're just so concerned about being, they come off of a long Saturday workout, the long ride, and they're immediately you know, they're four months out from their Ironman. Immediately, they're going to the fact of, there's no way I can run a marathon after a bike like that. It's like, 
number one, you're four months out for your race, so there's no way you should be able to run a marathon <laughs> off the bike or you're training way too hard. And number two, of course you can't because you've never done it before. And if we're working with a mind that bases everything off of past experience, there's the barrier. So you've got, if you understand that and you can make a little sticky note and stick that wherever you need it to be, right? You've got a choice there to feed into that and build more of that momentum of, I'm so fearful, I'm not going to be able to run this marathon after I get off the bike. Or you can say, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and all I have to do is recover from this workout so I can do tomorrow's workout and trust this is why you hire a coach, trust. This is why you signed up for it because there was a part of you that believed you could do it. Well, and this is partly why, that, that's actually one of the things that is huge is being able to have that support, having a coach so that you have someone who believes in you so that it's sparked back up in you. Mm. I am a huge proponent of having a mentor, a coach, at least, very least an accountability buddy someone who will stand for you when you won't stand for yourself i love that that's wonderful because we're so programmed i think to build up other people and and put down ourselves and we can put we're really good at putting down other people too but that's just a projection of what we see in ourselves i i believe you know e even the the ancient indian um texts they say, you know, to walk this path, right? So they're talking about the spiritual path, the realization of self, which is really essentially, I think, what we're talking about here when we're saying looking at ourselves and breaking our patterns. They, I, you would be a fool to do it without a teacher. Hmm. You would never succeed without a teacher, without a coach, without that... Um, what'd you call it? The account of buddy? Accountability buddy. Accountability buddy. I love that. To, to, to seek out the support. The support ne network is huge. The routine is huge. Surrounding yourself with like-minded people is huge. Um, and I think having that mentor, whether you know them personally or it's somebody that you follow, um, is so important. And you're so easy to follow because number one, you, you post the cutest animal videos ever so that's going to brighten up anybody's day and then you do a video every week and you talk about different things but what I love so much about you Angela is that you're so real you're not putting this face on like you're this perfect fitness personality a lot of times you're talking about the things that you're personally like need to be more diligent at and so seeking out that support and having the internet today is you know your support network and your friends are everywhere and people can say whatever they want about social media and yes there are people who are addicted to it and it's 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 causing them to disconnect from the human contact but it's also a big source of connection and when we have a healthy relationship with it i think it can really really help people to see achieve you know and become the person that i believe we already think we are and there's groups for everything so whether you're you want to do a, a triathlon if it's your first triathlon it's if it's your hundredth iron man if you want to walk upstairs and if you want to walk your dog if you there's there's groups and support for everything under the sun and if there isn't something that like you crochet and you hop on one foot down the street and that's something you want to do with other people start a group somebody else is into that kind of thing 
So there's always ways. Some that you other can totally it. deranged person is into doing that. No. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's right. start a group. Exactly. Yeah. Start the movement. So all this goal talk and all this going beyond your limits and getting uncomfortable. What is next for you? Well, <laughs> dun 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 dun. I. We, we, I don't, we talked, I can't, again, in my mind, I can't remember what we talked about before or not, but I have to have some goal to look forward to in the future. So for me to thrive, I know I have to have a race set up. So I already signed up for Oceanside, which will happen in April. Woo-hoo, woo, which I'm hoping you guys will come to and yeah, do with me. Yeah, well, be there. Registration is closed, but um, we're really good spectators. Yes. So, and that's that's a um, that's a race on my list. I've I've always kind of been drawn to that race. So yeah. So if you'll be go there, check it out. Do some awesome. recon. Do some recon. I do. I'll give you the skinny. I'll give you the scoop. Yeah. So that will be my uh, second half. My first half was Eagle Man. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to make it a trip where I visit my dad and my best friend and spend some time in California. So that would be kind of fun. And then I was looking at other Iron... So every other year, I want to do an Ironman. So this past year was my break year. So now I'm going to do two Ooh, in a season. She's got Love the bug. She's got the bug. going to be the race? So you guys talked me into Placid. I do Lake Placid. You came in here wanting to be talked into Placid. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I did actually. Because it's it's here. It's in New it's York. Close nearby. I only hear amazing mm-hmm. things about. Oh, it. and we're such Placid junkies. I, that race, like I told you, there's not one moment on that course that you can't look around and pull just immense energy um, from the beauty of nature there. It's it's so beautiful. The community's super strong. The finish is one of the best, and the Olympic Oval. I mean, just finishing your Ironman in in an in an area that's so steeped in athletic uh, history is such a treat. Well, I'm looking for, okay, so now I'm really, really excited about that one. Yeah. Uh, and then I want to do Cozumel. So I have yeah. a friend who does it every year, and he said it's hot and it's flat. And you guys said if the water's crystal clear and it's on a beach, the water's amazing. Yeah, it's I one mean, of the best swims. It's point to point. So and you just carry the current down. It's yeah, I don't buy too much into the current thing. I, I didn't. Like I didn't feel the current well, until you were like stung by the jellyfish. second half. Don't tell her about that. Um, <laughs> not everybody got stung by jellyfish, and it wasn't I even that bad. Um, okay. But I mean, I saw barracuda. I saw like those zebra fish. I mean, you're like you have to remind yourself that you're like, oh wait a minute, I'm, I'm in a race. I'm in a race. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you feel like you're literally had VIP access to an aquarium. It's absolutely, it's beautiful, 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 and it's challenging because it's hot and that bike is. It might be flat, but so. The, one side is windy. One side is fast. Yeah, the east side yeah. of the island is like. You, you like you're cruising, low heart rate. You're like, I'm the best athlete in the world, <laughs> and then you see like the Southern Point sign, and you're like, uh oh. And then you literally like take a left, and then it's you hit a wall of wind, and you go to like nine miles an hour. But everybody's out there doing it, and it's it's great, and it's three loops, so they're quick. Okay, you know, it's like thirty something miles a loop, but then. When you get through that windy side and you take that left to head back into town, it's like the winds to your back and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's a great, great race. And the the fans are awesome. They're crazy. Like, they all have those, like... The women down there are insane. And all the kids on the side of the road have 
uh, soda bottle, empty soda <laughs> bottle cans with rocks in it that are their little oh, shakers. It's, the best. it's really cool. It's so great. Okay, that yeah. sounds like a blast. Then. Yeah, okay. I have to do that. Plus, race. it's a vacation destination. You can just go chill out after the race. Oh, okay. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, so I like it. And it's and it's the weekend after Thanksgiving, so that's kind of like perfect. Yep. Yeah, so that sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm, I I love doing sprint races. I discovered the first year when I did my first Ironman. If I don't have little races in between, I start to lose fire for it because it's so far mm-hmm. away that it's it's hard to see. So part of part of it is finding ways to keep yourself ignited about the goals that you're after. And so for me, I know a couple sprints there. There won't hurt me. I love sprints. We yeah. tend to do sprints and Ironmans. It's so weird. They're over in an hour. <laughs> it's a great fun day. I just, I either want to go like all day, 13 hours, or I want to go like an One. hour and change. Yeah. yeah like, I don't want to do much else. Yeah, I don't but care. maybe there's some mastery in the middle there for me, probably. Well, this is the first year I had done an Olympic. I went straight from uh, sprints to a half to a full. So this year when I did the New York triathlon, I wasn't sure what to expect. And it was, it's different. Like, it's so funny how every one of the, the distances has its own characteristics, mm-hmm. its own challenges. I haven't really decided what my jam is yet. But I, you know, last time we talked, I would say the half is like the perfect I love challenge. the half too, though. Yeah, that's a great one. You're not totally toasted after. It's, but it's still like a challenge. Yeah. You still have to oh, deal yeah. with nutrition. Because in a sprint, come on, if you don't drink or eat, you're fine. Right, right. You know, you're going to yeah. get to the end. You get to the end. But you can't just skip through a half. Like there's something. Keeps you that, honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. So Oceanside, Lake Placid, Cozumel sounds like a pretty stacked year. Should be fun. Awesome. You're going to be all, watch out, Angela Hubbs' clients. That's She's right. going to be out. all charged up. <gasps> <laughs> so if people want to know more about you, they want to get involved, they want to see your videos, what's the best place for them to get you? My handle with every social media is at Angela Hubbs. Really, friend me the on Facebook. The one and only. The one and only. So at Angela Hubs. Um, you can find me on my website, AngelaHubs.com, and it has links to all my social media. Um, be part of my newsletter. Just click on my website that you want to be added, and you'll get all your shenanigans right to your inbox. Anyone who, who wants to share their victories and what they're dealing with, like I'm I'm an accountability buddy. That's what I do. So I'd love to hear and support you in whatever your goals are. So find me, friend me, send me a message, and I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. And from what I know of you and now that I've connected in person, like you mean that. So I do. if you're inspired by Angela, definitely reach out to her. She is, she's here to share her gifts. And um, we're so lucky to have her here in Podcast Central at the Element Hotel in Times Square. So thank you so much, Angela, for coming and being with us today. Thank you, Angela. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. No, no, no. That was good. Yay. And it was like so different from the first one. Oh, right? so different. It's like, it's weird because you can't like, try what did we recreate. talk about? Yeah, yeah. Angela Hubs, people. Inspiring, inviting, full of energy. Yes, yes, yes. She is the type of person you just want to be near. 
definitely check out her website for opportunities to work with Angela and follow her on social to connect with her every day. She is the architect of her life, and it's been through her choices to drive forward, get uncomfortable, and accept the signs of the universe when fate steps in that she is now well on her way to building her empire. And speaking of empire, well, maybe a tad smaller than empire, I neglected to tell you guys that I am coming to you today from a 120-square-foot tiny home in Encinitas, California. You got to check out the show notes for the video tour of this little gem that we've been calling home for the last few nights. It's a dream come true, but not quite yet are we living our tiny home dreams fully, as this is an Airbnb rental. But we are on our way. All we have to do, all any of us ever have to do, is follow the breadcrumbs and take the next logical step. Stay present, people. Stay well and ride the high vibe.